kaysa national level. So yung mga nag, nag, nagmamagaling dyan na huwag na mag-mission opposition, doon lang sila sa LGU. Well, of course I agree. In principle, I always said it. Dapat grassroots, papapataas. Diba? You have to get mayors. Kaya siguro, nakikita ko yung wisdom ng Lenny Robredo potentially running for, for I don't know, congresswoman, mayor, governor. Uh, doon sa kanilang bailiwick, uh, she has a pretty decent chance. And also, she'll be in a position to do an Exhibit A. And we saw that Exhibit A culture work for the going in the case of Davao in terms of politics, of course. Ano to? Mahabang usapan kung talagang yung Exhibit A na yan ay magandang exhibit. Uh, Vico Soto, of course, uh, even Isko Morena at some point, all of them use LGO position for national projection and even presidential national pro- projections. No, Both le- uh, both both Isko, for instance, and, and Digong, although Digong was a successful one. Now, I see that. But there are many LGO positions which are extremely, extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. Uh, and then there's also the other aspect of this, which is, as I said, if there is going to be a push, which most likely will happen, push for constitutional change, the real opposition has to have a seat at the table. So far, the only real opposition person, I mean, the minority in the Senate is actually two. Doon naman sa Kongreso, ilan lang bang opposition dyan? 12, 10, 15? Like, di ba? Yung totoong opposition, ha? Hindi yung, hindi yung, hindi yung nagpapa-opposition lang, ha? Uh, arguably, it's just reason to various in the Senate. And mukhang sa Congress, it's just so lopsided Good luck, di ba? I mean, sabi nga ni, ano, naka-300 plus na sila. Ngayon pa lang. Baka more pa after 2025. So, the Congress is pra- practically a hopeless case in terms of getting enough minorities there. But in the Senate, dahil malit ang Senado, pero powerful ang Senado, you may just need three, four, or five people from the real opposition and with conviction politics to make sure na things don't go off the rails. And as I said, since the, sa Senado, it's a name recall issue, there are many people from the opposition who actually have sufficient name recall, like Bamakino, like Lenny, like Kiko Pangilinan, to a certain degree, and Marojas, and, and Franklin Drillon, who, who may have a decent chance, not to mention Chel Jokno. Of course, many of us are hoping that he'll still make, uh, make another run for this. Who knows? Baka third time Lockerin, parang Pia ba? Or Siriza, di ba? So there are like six of them I can think about uh, at the top of my head. Trillian is also potentially made run the other parang alam natin, LGU atang kinuposition niya, mayor ba? Sa, sa Kalaokan. Anyway, so, six, seven, mga ganun, or half a dozen uh, name recall uh, opposition leaders, even if one-third of them win, meaning two or three of them win, together with his own Tiveras, and then who knows, maybe two or three independents in the next Senate, they may make enough noise or they make uh, they may make enough opposition to make it very difficult for the other side to railroad the constitutional change, right? So for me, it's both indispensable. At the same time, it's not totally undoable. And let's not also underestimate how difficult LGU is, and sometimes LGU is much difficult, much more difficult than Senate race, especially if you have already people with name recall. Now, having said all of that, all of those things, ang tanong naman ngayon is, I mean, in general, what's what's the way forward for the opposition, right? In general, what is the way forward for the opposition? Now, for me, Pagdating sa opposition, I mean, you already have three straight losses. 2016, Lenny was the barely, ano, diba, parang outlier there, although, you know, Marcus Jr. keeps on insisting that siya dapat dagan na in 2016. And then 2019, for the first time in 81 years, walang taga-opposition analysis sa Senado, complete wipeout decimation. And then last year, si Reza lang naka... So, we see that something is not working. And alam natin, pagdating sa opposition sa Pilipinas, 
in general, ang opposition sa Pilipinas ay liberal. Liberal in not necessarily the best way, right? Liberal in the sense of very conservative in terms of um, system conservative reforms. Yung mga hindi naman talagang transformative change ang gusto nila. Yung mga konti-konti here and there. Tapos medyo pa-decente, medyo pa-cute. And then medyo okay naman on some of the other policies, social cultural policies. And then, of course, in fairness naman, uh, also against corruption, etc. Now, we can have a long argument about how much anti-corruption initiatives work under Pinoy or some of the liberal administrations. But generally, we know that they're better alternative to the usual trapos, illiberal, demagogues, authoritarian people. But nevertheless, hindi yun gumana eh. Hindi na yan, wala na apilyon. Wala na apilyon, diba? And if you look at it, for 2028, for instance, if, if there were to be race today, ang maging top two candidates may Sara Duterte and, 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 and Rafi Tulfo. So let's first start with the Rafi Tulfo case. Because I think what, what Rafi Tulfo shows us is quite, something quite interesting, right? Because in the case of Rafi Tulfo, it looks like he's, he's, he's diversifying his base. So, they, so, the, siguro, so the usual base you can expect for him is the kind of the Duterte style of base. Diba? Yung gusto niyang matapang, macho, palaban, get things done. But if kalaban mo si Sara Duterte, parang sa kanya na yun eh. Medyo mahirap yun, diba? splitting that, that constituency. So I think it electorally makes sense for him to broaden his base. And at the same time, to be fair, to give benefit of the doubt to, to the senator, I think he also has some legit, good intentions uh, so education for instance you can say is really genuine about some of the things he pushes for and then increasingly also we see that on foreign policy for instance right now no na yung kanyang positioning is actually in the out of nowhere if you have been actually following Rafi Tulfo Senator Tulfo he has been making some very good interventions hindi lang dun sa mga laban sa mga land grabbers or mga of course yung mga abusada sa ating OFWs and others these are big issues and I think he's genuinely concerned about these things but if you look at it for instance he, he raised big issues about NGCP Ito National Grid Corporation of the Philippines, uh, a, a very problematic uh, legacy of President Arroyo, essentially allowing a Chinese state-owned company to have 40% stake and arguably have 100% control engineering-wise over this thing. Right? Actually, malapit dito sa amin yun. Or at least this is the allegation. And this actually was raised as early as 10 years ago, I think, by Senator Miriam Defensor, then Senator Rizal Tiveros, and now, of course, the most prominent voice for that is Rafi Tulfo, who has even suggested that the president should even consider nationalization of, of the NGCP uh, on, on grounds of critical infrastructure. Nakita ni natin na si uh, Rafi Tulfo also took a tough stance on West Philippines issue and openly called out actually the vice president for taking a position in the West Philippines na hindi tugma dun sa position ng ating administrasyon and I would say position ng taong bayan. Right? Uh, so, yung mga sinisabi ni... Ano ulit? Lishang? Ah, ano ulit yung speech ni Sarah na sobrang beshi sa China? Ganun. Okay. Um... So, of course, kinol out din ni Rafi Tulfo yan na sabi na dapat sigurado yun ng vice president na kanyang position yung hindi ganun kalayo dun sa position ng presidente or you're not sending mixed signals that may undermine our position. No? Ito yung September 21, Duterte, you know, greetings sa China. Alam nyo naman, dami memes and spoof about that where she hoped for expanded areas of cooperation with the Philippines and China. Sabi ni Sara Duterte noon, we hope that our partnership will prosper in the areas of agriculture, trade, investment, science, and technology. Pero parang si Tulfa hindi 
uh, hindi natuwa masyado no ang, ang point niya is uh, well you want to make sure that the statements you make especially in, sa gitna ng hidwan natin sa West Philippine Sea ay are, are not sending the wrong signals or mixed signals and then most recently of course ito yung malaking importanteng issue ito yung uh, modernization ng uh, Philippine public utility vehicle systems uh, again let me let me say a thing or two about this Sobrang agree ako dun sa ating mga kaibigan na sinasabi na dapat justing transition, meaning hindi kawawa yung ating mga uh, yung mga ating mga drivers, no jeepney drivers. We want to make sure that any proposal na mag-fortuner sila or something like that or mag-ano sila mag-new car sila na parang mas mahal pa sa fortuner or something like that, mga 2 million or something like there's nothing wrong with transition, but it has to be done in just reasonable at hindi bara-bara way, no? Kasi malaking sektor din ang pinag-usapan natin dito. At kung napakamahal, questionable, if not corrupt, yung process of transition, bugbog din tayo mga ordinaryong consumers. No? Now, speaking of that, now, some would say China po ang solution dyan. Because actually last year, for the very first time, China became the biggest car exporter in the world. They overtook Japan. I mean, it's insane the level of success China's had. Uh in the past five years alone. Naalala ko nung first time na uh, lumabas ang Chinese car, si Cherry ba yan? Parang pinagtatawanan yung pangalan pala. Ano ba man? Tapos, diba? And then, mamaya, Geely naman. Diba? Cherry, Geely, yung mga ganyan. But now, pag tinignan mo yung mga itsura and design nila, they're really impressive. Now, I don't know about the quality yet. Uh, some other people can say a lot about it. But I think China is gonna be big pagdating sa electric cars. And BYD of China is now even ahead of Tesla. And, well, you, we can have our own arguments about how China got those technology and all of that. But I think you should also uh, credit the Chinese government for very good industrial policy, supporting yung kanilang uh, mga EV manufacturers. So there are at least NIO, BYD, apat na alam ko na big, big time na Chinese uh, EV producers. And their cars are beautiful. I'll tell you that. I mean, I'm more into, you know, European cars and all of that. So... You know, you know, I like I like nice fancy cars, but I will give it to the Chinese cars. They re- they really look good. The color schemes are beautiful. The design is gorgeous, and the price is super good for for what you get. At least in terms of what you first see, because you know, we have to see over five ten years. But from the first things we're seeing here, I think especially BYD cars are good quality, right? Uh, see Warren Buffet uh, motors are. Are also investors there, so, so, ako I can see the appeal of the Chinese cars, especially electric Chinese cars. I really can see that, and China is also dominating EV battery industries, EV mining industries. So the future of cars is China. Uh, I have to admit it. I mean, again, as I said, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I more want German cars. Uh, I, I, I find Japanese cars more, more uh, reliable over time, but when it comes to EV cars. Parang Tesla lang yata makakalaban sa mga Chinese companies eh. Oh, and it's let's see if the other big ones like BMW, Benz, Toyota can transition. Let's see. But grabe, ang lakas ng China. And they can do it at very, very competitive prices. I mean, I was surprised to see even in the Middle East, no? Mayayaman na bansa like uh, Qatar, United Arab Emirates. Uh, sobrang uso na ngayon ng mga Chinese cars. So, again ah. Uh, Galit na galit ako sa ginagawa nilang pagbubuli sa West Philippine Sea but that never blinded me to the many successes of China and the amazing work ethic and the amazing determination of the Chinese people to be a world power including in high-tech technology including in EV battery EV cars no so 
Naikita ko bakit some are pushing for for reliance on China, pero ang positioning ang position ni uh, ni um, ni Tulfo, Senator Tulfo is actually more on the probably national security grounds because siguro ang concern niya dito is dependency. Kasi once bumili ka na doon, lock in ka na for life kasi yung maintenance mo galing sa kanila, most likely yung other infrastructure mo galing sa kanya, most likely galing din yung kanilang charging station sa kanila. So you're locked in uh to to into their technology and si si Ruben nagko-comment. Yeah, yeah, again, of course, personally I'll choose a Tesla or actually I'd rather, you know, go for Taycan or something like that uh kung ma-afford natin. But but what I'm saying is that the direction of the Chinese cars is really really good in, ter- in, in terms of price competitiveness. I, I have some uh, Chinoy uh, neighbors here who have BYD. Song yata yun. It looks gorgeous. It looks like a Lexus. And it's electric. And the price is pretty competitive. Because if I were to get an ordinary Tesla, um, and then there's this SUV, I don't know. I probably will be okay with BYD. Except... <laughs> From a national security standpoint, I'm not gonna. Pu- I'm not sure I want to put my my personal data. That's why yung TikTok natin dito, malamal ko kayo pero burner phone yan, de ba? Because I don't want to put my my personal data there. So, but I can see from a non-national security economic perspective, yung appeal ng China, yung appeal ng China, right? Uh, although personally, I'm okay with Tesla. Although personally, I'm not okay with Elon Musk. All right. Now going back to this, ang position ni Rafi Tulfo is paano na para mas mapabilis ang Pagre-revisa at uh, agarang pagtanggal ng prangkisa ng NGC. Ah, sorry. Malitong binasa ko. Uh, ito, ito yung sa China pala. Sorry. Nasa prangkisa ko. Okay. China is already invading the West Philippine Sea. Will we allow them to take over even our roads? Wow. That's a, that's a good quote. That's actually a good quote. Ah. Again, as I said, I see the appeal of Chinese cars, especially EV cars. Pero if you take a national security standpoint, I think this quote from Tulfo is very, very good. I mean, from a, I mean, from a political standpoint, in, in terms of messaging and communication, tignan mo ang ganda ng sinabi niya. Again, a messaging yun. You may, of course, you're free to disagree with me. Pero tignan niya, China is already invading West Philippine Sea. Gusto ba natin na bati yung mga kalsada natin masasakop nila, di ba? Parang sasakupin nila, di ba? Parang yun yung sinabi na. Malakas yun. It's a very strong statement coming from Tulfo. And 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 Tulfo is very good in coming up with these quick statements, right? Parang Tom Friedman style, di ba? We, in one sentence, he can say something that it will take probably three, three paragraphs for other people to say. So, boom. Gets gaga. So, I think this is a very strong positioning. I mean, I'm sure many people will make huge money if they make contracts with big Chinese companies for the huge, massive public utility vehicle uh, uh, you know, redesign and, 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 and essentially reconstruction that we'll need in the next five to ten years as we transition more to, um, to electric vehicles, etc., but yun nga, yun yung dilemma ngayon. So I'm wondering, siguro, will Japan, siguro Toyota will be the alternative? I mean, Tesla is very expensive. I don't know if we can Tesla everything. Uh, but but I think Japan, probably Toyota or Korean cars like Hyundai. Ionic is fun, wonderful. I'd rather get Ionic than Tesla. Um, let's see. Let's see. So so what is the alternative here? Those are the things we have to talk about. But I'm glad that the Senator Tulfa actually at least raised this issue. Now, let's go to the last part. Let's talk about France Castro because this is an interesting case. Now, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not saying that she'll be the next, you know, necessary president or even Senate will be hard. But, but my point is, considering where she started, when she had even, you know, less name recall than... You know other known leftist candidates who like like Neri Colmenares, uh, you know, uh, Casino, so on and so forth, Maza, so on and so forth. She has come very far. She has really, really come very far, and I think this is this is really impressive. 
So what I'm impressed with Rafi in terms of diversifying his messaging and then positioning himself like as a contra Duterte on the West Philippines China issue, that's quite interesting because of course alam natin ng panindigong, but now etong positioning there. Now we can have a long debate about intentions and all of that, but I already been a bit of doubt. But for me, it's also the effect that matters. If someone as popular as Tulfo, who is one of the top candidates to become the next president, assuming there will be a 2020 elections, that's that's the thing we said in the, in the previous part, right? Na baka hindi naman yari 2028 presidential elections, baka ipaparliamentary na nila, engineer nila in transition. But as of now, Tulfo is at least the second most preferred person to become the next president of the Republic of the Philippines, right? So yung kanyang repositioning is very interesting, very astute, and I think it puts him in a position to get the BBM vote, split the some Duterte vote, and also get some vote from the other side, right? Because of his good position in the China, West Philippines issue, among others. So let's see. Um, but now going back to France Castro, I think from where she started, she has come a very, very long way, in fairness, it's, and it's very, very impressive. Um, and I think there are many factors to that. One is that there was a little, a little bit of element of luck. Of course, naalala niya na interview natin si uh, Senator, ah, Senator, Congresswoman Franz Castro. Um, and pinag-usapan natin yung kanyang background, yung kanyang educational background in particular. And as you remember, she actually took mathematics, uh, educa- education siya, but specialization is mathematics. So teaching mathematics, yun talagang kanyang expertise, right? And, like some people, she didn't rely on her dad's money, mom's money, whether clean or not so clean. She had to work her way through, right? She had to get scholarships, etc. She had to work through. So she's a true self-educated person and at the same time a world-class educator. So that automatically placed her in a very good position, very, very good position to go head-to-head with Sara Duterte, which, well, I don't know how good of a lawyer she is. So maybe Ruben can tell us. <laughs> but last time I checked, neither neither the vice president nor a lot of people in her team are really adept kind of people, right? Meaning really specialization in education reform. Especially considering gano'ng kamalala yung problema natin sa education system, especially given yung legacy ng Duterte administration. So sobrang they, they bungled it big time yung education system natin nung panahon ng pandemic. So we were already behind the curve. I have some graphs that I can show you na Philippines is so bad. I mean, even by third world standards, we're so bad. And nakita naman natin sa World Bank functional literacy, parang more than 90% ng mga pupils natin from 7th grade onwards. I mean, my problema talaga sila seriously when it comes to functional literacy. So these are, these are serious problems. So I think that first, that's the first thing. That's the first lucky thing, in a sense, because she was the right person to go toe-to-toe with Sara Duterte precisely because of not only her advocacy, uh, uh, dun sa kanyang uh, party list which is really about teachers and education but also about her because of her own personal diba? her own personal uh, expertise as an educator as an education graduate so t- to be honest I, I rather listen to her than you know whatever some random lawyer that put there in, in charge of DepEd right ibang usapan pa magaling na lawyer hindi so right so that I think made her authentic but also authoritative. That was very, very important. Ito yung isang strength ni, ni, uh, ni, ni Castro. She, it's, in a way, she was the right person for the, uh, for, for the, for the not-so-right moment, if you, can, if you would put it that way. Um, but the other one is also matapang siya. I mean, kitang-kita natin yung kanyang back and forth, not only with Sarah, but also with the father, right? And she openly 
said, in fact, one reason and suspend yung uh, program ni Digong is because he was accused of, you know, making incendiary comments against people like Franz Castro. Not to mention, of course, that, uh, you know, um, Franz Castro has been also very critical of the Duterte administration, red tagging and all. So she has been going toe to the, not only with the daughter, but also with the father and sabay sabay. No. And then you also had that uh, court case, right? Uh, which Franz Castro has pushed against the ex-president, right? Again, unprecedented. But that could be just the beginning of more legal cases, including <clears throat> ICC against the um, the former president. Maybe you can talk to uh, Attorney Ruben Carranza more about this in the future once it's available. But so that's the thing. But the, the third and most important thing for me, not the one, actually not necessarily most important, but very, uh, very important thing for me is pro probably second most important thing at the very least is Yung kanyang political acumen. I mean, she she deals very well with the current leadership of the Congress. That's a bit of real politic, but you need that if you're you're in such a minority and difficult position. Pangalawa, yung kanyang, uh, kanyang relasyon sa media. I think she has become more and more comfortable sa media. Nakita ko yan nung na-interview natin siya. And I'm seeing it more and more as she, she engages the media. That's very important. Uh, communications is very, very important, especially when you're taking positions against very powerful people. And you're coming from a kind of a structural disadvantage. Being a progressive in the Philippines is never easy. Much harder in most countries, most other democracies. Uh, this is not Latin America. This is not Chile, Argentina, Brazil, where you know leftist progressives can become president and leaders. Uh, this that's not the case yet. No. And if you look at some surveys like Asia Barometer, uh, Philippines is a very center right right wing country. We're more 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 we're more like we're we're more south of United States than South America. Right in terms of social value system, based on the evidence that we have. Alam ko yan kasi pinagalan ko bakit na nalo si Digong. Nagsulat tayo ng libro, so I have to go through different surveys: World Virus Survey, Pew Survey, Asia Barometer. So for me, totally unsurprising na nanalo yung katulad ni Digong or pwede manalo yung katulad ni Tulfo. The inference case Senator Tulfo is positioned to say. So being a left is very difficult. But this brings me to the last point. Naalala niyo yung picture na shinery ni Teddy Bagilat na shinery ko yan. Na kung saan andun lahat yung mga opposition leaders, andun sa andun din si Leila Dalima which made, of course, this Christmas very special. Andun din si Lenny. And then, andun sa gitnang gitna, nakatayo si Franz Castro. Right? So, alam natin, for a very long time, hindi ganun kaganda ng relasyon ng mga liberal centrists and leftist progressives. Especially sa Pilipinas. Sobrang grabe yung hidwan ng dalawa niyan. And not to mention yung mga hidwan sa, I mean, among leftists themselves. So, so I think that, that, that picture was not just a picture. I don't think it was just a party. I think there was much more to that. And I think it shows that with some adjustment, with some openness of heart, with some sincerity, and with some reflection and spiritual soul-searching, you know, soul-searching, um, it is possible to imagine that, you know, more and more people like Franz Castro uh, could become not only leaders of progressive movement, but also mainstream political leader, which she, she is in that sense. So for me, she's, she's the breakout star of 2023 in politics, Philippine politics. Not because she's the most important Philippine policy, of course not. But I think, considering from where she started, ang layong ng narating niya, right? Which which tells you something about perhaps where the opposition should go. Now, my position is very clear. It's an evidence-based position. It's not just a position because okay, the very still remains not only the leader of the opposition, but also the the proof of concept of what could work for the opposition, right? Because if you look at Riza Ontiveros, she, she won last year in, in a very difficult race too, where no one else from the opposition won in national, any national polls. 
uh, when it was a complete domination of unity of Marcos Duterte Axis. And if you look at it, she had many strengths to her. And one of her strengths is, for instance, electoral strategy. So, isang sa mga strength ni Risa was, nag-rely siya sa vernacular advertisement, influencers, and endorsement dun sa Visayan region, dun sa you know, mga iba, iba, ibang region ng ating bansa, kung saan hindi Pilipino or English ang primary language. That helped her a lot. Um, she also has a very strong grassroots movement. And the other thing with Risa Ontiveros is that she's very good also in combining this kind of progressive positioning, but also being very smart about choosing her battles and building coalitions dun sa Senado. Alam ko yan, because kilala ko rin yung ibang senador na hindi necessarily progressive, pero they actually have pretty decent relationship with Risa Ontiveros. I think Rafi Tulfo should be one of them, last time I checked. No? Um, so I, I think she's still the model for the opposition. Uh, and but she cannot do it alone. You know, she, others have to walk in her footsteps. And now we're seeing with Franz Castro, with Riza Ontiveros, with more and more of these people. Not to mention, of course, uh, also return of uh, Leila de Lima. We may have more role models and and and, and north stars, no, who may show us the way forward. Tapat may konting tapang, may konting conviction, but also may konting real politic and electoral acumen. Kailangan lahat ng mga yan. Now, garantiya ba ito na, na mananalo ng kahit isang dalawang pesto ang opposition? Hindi. Okay? Huwag tayo mag-ganong. Magloko dito. But, it's a fight worth fighting. But more than that, it's a fight that has to be fought. Otherwise, good luck sa Pilipinas. Diba? Alam ko, dami sa inyo, tuwan-tuwa kasi, or, well, except yung mga kadidiyas natin dyan, tuwan-tuwa kayo na na-marginalize yung isang, ano, ayaw nyo, diba? Marami kasi mga never Duterte dyan. Right? Medyo timing ngayon ng mga never Marcos eh. But, but let's be absolutely clear about this. Let's be absolutely clear about this. There's a very good chance after 2025, we may have a totally a push towards a totally new constitutional order and pere totally box out ang liberal progressive opposition for good. So they have to fight the fight and they have to fight it smarter and better. So I don't think traditional liberalism works anymore. It's not what I think. It's, it's the evidence. Three elections proves that pretty clear. Uh, Pre-election pre survey for 2025 are also showing that. So something drastic has to be done here. New positioning, uh, new personalities, or new packaging, or all of the above. All right. On that note, thank you very much. Maraming salamat sa ating mga katiktokers. Ayan, diretso na sa Beijing yan. <laughs> oh, di ba? Sabi ko naman, magandang EV battery nyo. Huwag na kayo magalit sa akin. All right. Thank you very much din sa ating mga YouTubers, mga kaibigan natin na natin sa atin. And thank you very much also sa mga kausap natin sa, sa Facebook. Wow. Pa, dadal natin ah. Ilang, isang oras na ba tayo? Thank you sa mga nakinig sa atin. I like it. Actually, I like it. Very relaxed. Very derecho. But the reason I did this derecho lang because I've been, I was writing about it. I mean, that's the thing about being a writer. Because when you're a writer, you really have to organize your thoughts. You have to really distill things. And you have to have key arguments and a framework. So, ako, I'm very, very thankful dahil dyan. And, uh, yeah, pasensya na ako yan. Si Ivan nagagalit kasi sabi ko, dapat 9pm ako nag-space. And then sabi ko, wag na, baka tulog na yung mga tao. But ipopost naman natin yan sa Twitter. Pasensya na. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll try to. And and, and nga, I have to choose. I have to prioritize platforms because. Uh, may may malakas na tayo sa Twitter, so kailangan ko mag uh, build up dun sa sa iba. I think di pa kasi monetize yung Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. Hindi rin naman monetize ang TikTok natin. All right. On that note, thank you very much. God bless and uh, talk to you soon. Don't worry. I, I will. I will. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll repost it and hopefully in the future we can also bring space. I'll use it on my other phone. Hopefully its own internet. On that note, thank you very much. God bless. Maboy ang Pilipinas. And uh, talk to you soon. God willing. Inshallah.